Welcome back. On this week's episode of Empaths at Work, we have our first guest, John Lincoln. I am so excited to have John on this podcast as he is somebody who has helped me better understand myself and feel more confident in my skin. So a little bit about John. In his own words, John is just a guy trying to be the best man he can be, who thinks about everything, lives life fully, loves to tell stories, and likes to laugh till his eyes water. He believes that we're all unique, and when we understand and lean into who we most authentically are with honesty and vulnerability, we thrive infinitely. And he coaches people to do that. It's a job he was born to do but could not do until he was ready. Just a fun couple fun facts about John. He's done the corporate thing from dishwasher to director. He's traveled the country in his Airstream trailer with his dog and cat. He's told stories on stage with Molly Ringwald, and he's also won a gold medal in men's singles figure skating at the Gay Games. Join us as we learn from John about some of his experience with Clifton Strengths that we talked about last week and his path to authenticity. If you want to learn more about John, go to our website, Empaths at Work, and to our blog, Magic Ingredients. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a curious guy, and I don't mean odd. I, I, well, I am kind of odd, too, but a, a curiosity about what makes people tick. I, I really don't have the greatest radar of understanding sort of feeling, <clears throat> excuse me, feeling people's feelings like empaths do, but I understand them. And I used to criticize myself a lot for that because I felt like I just couldn't connect. And so I've always been I've an admirer of people uh, and appreciator of sort of who they are and trying to pick up signals and put those into context. And what I discovered um, along the way were personality assessments. You know, obviously there are multiple ones. I uh, became trained in Myers-Briggs, uh, went through DISC, went through Enneagram, uh, and then eventually uh, landed on Clifton Strengths. It used to be called StrengthsFinder and uh, Core Clarity, which is a program that sits atop the results and helps amplify them for, for people. Um, and Clifton Strengths just really spoke to me. It was in a corporate setting. I was asked to take the assessment. We met for only an hour, which is unbelievable that it resonated so much for me in an hour. But I saw myself in a way I hadn't necessarily seen myself previously with other tools. Some of the other tools tend to focus on you in a business setting or how to navigate those kinds of things, What's what to watch out for. Um, and there's always a little bit of a, you can fix yourself and work on these areas because these you're good at, but these you need to be mindful of and probably work on. <clears throat> and, the, and the truth is that, yes, we need to be able to uh, address things that we don't necessarily enjoy doing. I mean, we have to pay taxes, for example, but we can outsource that to TurboTax. Thank you very much. Um, but we can also do that in our lives uh, and focus more intentionally on the way we're wired, not weird, and the way our, <laughs> our systems operate based on who we are, based on the DNA we came into the world with and all of the experiences we've had, but actually the way our unique brains operate. And so 
Clifton Strengths helped me see that for myself. I got really interested in it and actually asked to become certified in Core Clarity to administer it. Um, and was granted that, you know, went away to training and came back and began doing it in the company that I was working for. Uh, and eventually met with a couple thousand people and over 110, 111 teams there. Um, and then decided to go out on my own because I was trying to craft my job to do that internally. And um, we had another program that was sort of at the corporate level and I wasn't at that level of influence at the time. So I was doing all this sort of covertly and yet I was getting all kinds of attention. And it was getting all kinds of attention and people were like lining up and signing up to do this uh, for their teams. And it was really making a difference. And so went out on my own and um, and took the brave step to do that. And it's been absolutely great because then that has evolved into some other things that I'm doing as well. But the key element to that, of all of that, is understanding myself in language that adds value as opposed to diminishes or causes me stress because then it's negative and then I have to do something with that. It takes just as much energy to get a something we're not good at to okay as it does to get us from okay to really great it it does and so i choose to focus in that upper part and i find that most people when they do align to who they are and the self-criticism diminishes they interact more effectively with other people because they understand the people they are interacting with if they've taken the assessment and even if they haven't they have better eyes to see the other person through and so, uh, it's great. John, I'm curious. Um, so last week we each shared one strength that oh. we, uh, of ours and kind of what it meant or how it helps kind of shape how we interact with the world. Which strength of yours would you pick out of your top five? Wow. Um, <laughs> that's really hard because I love them all. And I love actually my top 10. And I love their, everyone's top tens in their unique combination. But I would say probably the two that really, really do it for me. One is my number one, which is connectedness. So mm -hmm. I sense connections between everything. Not, uh, everything happens for a reason. We just don't understand the reasons necessarily. If we were to trace them back, that's the past, right? And the path. Um, and we can influence the future by the action we take at this moment, every moment of the day we can influence the future um, and have a great time in the present and then be fond of our memories of the past and look forward with optimism to the future. That's connectedness for me. And um, the other is maximizer, which is liking to take things that are already working great and just like ramp, you know, amp them up to, to as superb as they can be. And so that may sound like I'm a perfectionist, Ask my partner. I am not, <laughs> but um, but I do believe I, I, I'm the guy who walks into your living room if you invite me over, and there's that picture that's slightly crooked on the wall that you've been meaning to straighten, or maybe you didn't even notice. I'm the guy who walk over at some point during the evening and straighten it just because it can be, and I won't even tell you I did it. I just do it. So it's it's that kind of thing. <laughs> but I love those two because the. Maximizer gives me passion and the connectedness makes me feel engaged and um, involved in all that is. And 
it stimulates my curiosity. So those are, I had to give two. You're being a maximizer though, right? <laughs> I mean, I also, so we have another person with connectedness on the line, Katie. Yeah. Katie, yes. So, yes. does my description resonate at all with you? Oh my gosh, I'm sitting over here like I feel so seen on this <laughs> in this conversation right now. No, it's it's interesting because you mentioned kind of the relationship between maximizer and connectedness being something that you like as well. And I've taken Strength Finders three times. Whoops, my bad. Oh well, I won't tell. <laughs> Please no, don't. No, uh, it's just us. It's just us, us friends here privately. No, I have individualization and connectedness as the two oh, consistent between my last yeah. one and this one. And Relator also stayed consistent. So kind of the relationship, especially between individualization and connectedness for me, feels really strong and really important. And, and I, as I, I talked with Amanda about taking it, you know, the assessment twice and what we generally see almost to a person, but not quite, is that if you look at your top 10 mm -hmm. in both, there's going to be a predominance of a commonality, um, whether the one came out number three or number eight, you know, it's good. They're going to, most of them are going to be there. So the point is, I always use the analogy of handedness. So are you right-handed? Yes. Okay. So pop your right hand open. Nobody can see it on the line, but your five fingers, those are your five top talents. Those are okay. the ones you use all the time. Every moment of the day, those are the ones you reach for in terms of your, who you are most predominantly um, and lead with first. Mm -hmm. uh, pop your other hand open, your next other five fingers on your non-dominant hand. Uh, those are your next five. And so they, you could be ambidextrous and some people are, meaning they work with all of their talents, their top 10, or you can lean more toward your top five or a few or you know, certain fingers on your left hand that are really useful to you but they're all available to you and they all they represent the vast majority of who you are and uh, when we can lean into that then that's really cool so thinking about yours connectedness individualization and relator you mm -hmm. said so connectedness the spiritual sort of sense of knowing that you just feel it you don't know why you just and and it's really not it's beyond a feeling it's like yeah. you just know it it's a being yeah. It is a being thing. That's exactly right. And individualization, which I always I, I call the the bright, warm spotlight that a person with individualization will project to another person and light them up by recognizing what makes them unique and then saying that to them, like like being there for them yeah. in that way that's unique so they feel seen. So you're a great what I often talk about people with individualization as being seers they see and their light comes out. What's also interesting about individualization, I find, and it's not to a person, but it's very common, is that people with individualization, because they're shining the light, mm -hmm. it's coming out so brightly from them to the other person in a warm, wonderful way that it's the other person wants to give them a compliment back and they have a little pen light that they're trying to shine through all that light that's coming <laughs> in. And the person with individualization is going, I don't know. I see a little light. Oh, <laughs> light more towards you. It's all about you. And people with individualization actually have to learn to say thank you and leave it at that. Because mm. people with individualization, I call it the uh, asterisk trap or the thought bubble that we've, 
uh, person with individualization gets a compliment. Does this feel familiar? Am I oh going to mm-hmm. Yes, I am. You too. And then, yeah. and, and then yeah. the, thought, the thought bubble appears next to your head that has a big asterisk, and that's the but. So, you know, I really like that dress on you. And then your asterisk comes up, but I've worn this like 25 times. There's a tear I didn't want to talk about. I have this thing, you know, secured with a bobby pair of safety pin or, you know, this whole thing, you know, whatever it is, it's like, no, let's not accept that. And uh, what we know to be true in strengths work, there are three, three fundamental traits of human beings. One is that we think everyone thinks the same way we do, or we at least wish they did because we're so comfortable in, in our own skin mm-hmm. and the way we are, we just assume, hello, if I had this thought this way, certainly you have to, and they haven't, right? Mm-hmm. You get married and you mm-hmm. find out that's a fallacy or you, and you, um, everyone got the same talents we did. We have sort of a level playing field, except she got a little more. He's better at math or she's better at whatever. And so that's the comparison trap because that diminishes us and we're comparing ourselves based on who we are and what we know about ourselves to other people, just our observations of them. We're not in their heads, right? Um, And the third one is that when someone says something to us, they're talking about us. When in reality, if you really listen carefully, listen carefully to what people say, it says as much about them because they're the one choosing their words. And there's a reason they're choosing those words it's saying as much about them as it is about us. And so someone reminding us that we've got to get something done at four o'clock on Friday and then sending us an email on, you know, it's Monday, they send it on Tuesday. And again, on Wednesday, we're like, what's wrong? Why did they think I'm inept? When in essence, they may be someone who needs reminders. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true in terms of just what the power of strength finders is in your personal life or as you work with teams because last week's episode where I was so stuck on the fact that, you know, we weren't following the rules is one of my strengths is responsibility. (laughs) And so it's like, okay, like, no, we can't do it this way. But because we said we were going to do it this way. (laughs) And And I feel responsible. People with responsibility put their reputation on the line every moment of the day. That's why they follow through. That's why they connect so well with other people deeply based on trust, because you know, they're going to do what they said they were going to do. However, there is flexibility and we can change the rule if we agree to it. (laughs) And I think from that though, is the fact that we have that language to say like, this is why I'm reacting this way because I have that in my strength. And so you've done so much work with teams. I'm curious to hear like what some of your biggest learnings are or from a team perspective, how this has helped teams or like even in your personal life, right? We were talking about having like my partner take the strengths test. To, to it's not see. a test. It's an yeah. assessment. Sorry, you assessment. Fail. You don't fail at, <laughs> at figuring out who you are. As you being a problem solver, I probably would look at <laughs> <laughs> You have a list. Yes. Have the pros, cons, average weighting. Yeah, yes, I'm outfit. neurotic. <laughs> no, it's not neurotic. You're thorough in that. That's yeah. not neurotic. Yes, good way to look at it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because what you would come back with would be much better thought through than I would. I don't know, as a maximizer, John. Well, and I think it's actually funny what you said with your strength being a maximizer and how you how you were helping within your previous organization, but also as you do that 
as a full time now is you're maximizing how teams work together. Absolutely. And one of the yeah. one of the uh, definitions of maximizer is the ability to um, work with people's strengths to turn them into what they can be. And so focusing on people's strengths. And that's I'm such a believer in that language because weaknesses, I mean, we have a biological response when we get criticized. And if we look at ourselves as this is a weakness, we're not good at this. And Lord knows we say that enough to ourselves. Other people saying it on top of it just is not helpful, right? And what happens is we ooze cortisol into our system to minimize the stress associated with that, which is something we've evolved into. I mean, when times of cavemen and cave women, hello, a blueberry was pretty different from a saber-toothed tiger, and we had to know the difference, and the saber-toothed tiger made us stressed. And so we didn't need to be thinking about the meaning of life in those days. We just The meaning of life was, I need to get out of here, I need to fight it, or I need to hunker down and hide. So we still have that today in our evolutionary, uh, or the beings that we are. So when that stress level goes up, cortisol goes up, shuts down the higher centers of our brain because they're not needed. And then we stay in that. And then we get a hit of dopamine. And when we're critical, that gives us a little jolt of, yeah, gotcha, kind of thing. And that can feed on itself. And so anyway, uh, that, that whole notion of being ourselves allows us more grace, which lowers our uh, stress levels, which allows our amygdala to, to play nicely and uh, allows our the creative centers of our brain or higher thinking capabilities to flourish because and then we have oxytocin which and endorphins which are really good juice so it's biology it's mindfulness work it's you know spirituality for folks who who find that it's true as well so it's really body mind body and spirit all together but the, that's from a guy who has connectedness as his number one talent, <laughs> right? You got it, Katie, right? Oh, totally. I Well, and it's an interesting, as you were saying that I keep thinking about the connection between my top five and my Enneagram type. Yeah. So when you were talking about Enneagram earlier, and then you just brought in the spirituality piece, which I actually learned about Enneagram at church of all places, which was super yeah. cool, yeah. Um, makes a ton of sense when you put it all together. But I'm curious, you know, when you think about some of those other types of assessments um, and how they relate back to strength finders, you know, as people who are in the corporate space, we've taken a handful of these types of things. And how do you right. reconcile those different perspectives when thinking about how they connect right to your your strengths? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I sort of equate it to a camera lens looking at ourselves. So we see ourselves in the computer monitor with a camera lens focused on us. And we, before we, it's really blurry when we're young and we get it a little clearer and we bump our heads and things. And so we see bruises and things, but we get a little clearer, a little clearer. Then we take a personality assessment and it sort of categorizes how we are and describes that. And depending on the tool, it will also say areas for improvement or those kinds of things, what to watch out for. Um, and there's that little bit of, for me, um, as I look at other assessments and I look at StrengthsFinder specifically, there's a slight shift and StrengthsFinder is based on positive psychology. It is that biologic, that notion of biology that I described with cortisol and all that stuff. Uh, but it's proven that it works when we are supportive of people and encouraging of people, they thrive. 
when we're critical and judgmental toward people, they shut down. And that's a, why would they do that? Because cortisol, I mean, it's, it's all part of it. So I'm very conscious of any time that a, a personality assessment goes to, you know, this is a shadow. I mean, I, even that language in Enneagram kind of makes me kind of go, uh, can we word that another way to make that be? Sure, there's a rough edge to a talent. A talent is just raw potential. That's all it is. And how we lean into it with intention and with developing skills and knowledge and, and using it really helps it become a strength. So it's an evolution. The other thing I would say about um, assessments is that oftentimes they're in the business world and they're geared toward teams and business interactions. So the way you present yourself in front of a CEO, oh, that's why, that's why, that's why I hesitate, that kind of stuff. And yeah, yeah, that's true. But the strength work is you, no matter where you are. It's your brain wiring. It's the way you are. Now we play differently in different settings. We do, but the way we do that in our brains is exactly the same. The thoughts we have and what we do with them and the behaviors that we demonstrate are dependent on the situation we're in. However, the way we go about that by na by nature is, is much more aligned to the, what we talk about with strengths. It's actually the brain wiring. There's super highways of neuro, uh, neural pathways in the brain that develop when we're um, we come into with a genetic blueprint for being, uh, but that's not how we necessarily will be, except for things like eye color and those things. But there's an interrelationship between our DNA as well that we have a propensity, like our parents did, for certain things. As much as that makes us recoil, we don't want to be like our mom or our dad. Guess what? You're going to be in some ways. It's just true. But then you layer on life experience and what we're exposed to as children as our brains are forming and sort of cementing. And by the time we're seven, around, it's not your birthday, but it's, you know, in that window of evolutionary time, the fundamentals of our brains, including the neural pathways and the synapses that connect those are already set and they can be expanded, but the ones that will expand the most are where the most are. And so that's how we, um, that's how we become our, our sort of selves. And that's always the same in any situation we're in. The dynamics are different in the situations. We may think, you know, that in a business setting, we need to put our, on our professional air. Maybe we do to play the game, right? But is that us? Is that, are we being authentic? Um, it's a question. It's always a question to ask ourselves. You know, when are we giving up who we are to be something that someone else expects? That is so interesting, John. And I think we spoke about this a, a little bit last week when we were talking about the ways in which we do intentionally lean into certain strengths. And we, you know, part of us had that, that dopamine hit and was super excited seeing it come out the second time we did the assessment, yeah, right? Right. Uh, but I, I'm so curious what you would think or what you would say to someone who is trying to intentionally make a new strength or develop a new strength. You know, so if, if it's not something that came in their top 10 and they're not naturally wired that way, but uh, 
you know, either through um, being inspired by other people or either through picking up new careers, mm -hmm. they want to pick up a new strength or develop it in a certain way. What, what would you say to them? Well, first thing I would say is that our strengths appear in us in from the most prevalent, the most predominant, the most us to the least us. And there are 34 in the tool that are identified and they're discreetly different enough from one another that you can identify them and then describe them. So these are, these are unique ways of thinking or reflecting what goes on in the brain, uh, taking action, the itch. Some people have to do stuff or the itch they have to think about stuff. It could be two different things, right? Some people love to plan and get things organized, but they, they actually go do the thing to go, is like, no, no, somebody else can do that. Or it puts them on display and they don't want to be out front being seen doing that, right? So, so two different ways of going about that. But as far as leaning, there's an interesting question in that I'd like to ask you with from that question that you asked me. And that is, as you think about the strengths that you're considering, for example, if you had a hypothetical for yourself, what quote, strength would you like to have at your disposal? Do you have one? I Well, so in the first time I did the assessment, uh, four out of five strengths were in the relationship building side of things, and I didn't have anything in strategic thinking. So throughout the years, I did make an additional effort to try and be more strategic. And this time around, it actually came up as I think number two or number three, which I found to be interesting because I felt like I, I just wasn't strategic before, right? When I first took the assessment. Mm -hmm. Do you feel so specifically about strategic? I love strategic. It's my number three. I get it. I really, really, really get it. So um, do you find that you need to know where you're going in order to get there? Or do you, or are you just okay being, oh, we'll just go anywhere? No, I need to know. <laughs> That's strategic. Do you feel that um, when you're analyzing a situation, let's say you're in traffic in a car, do you wish you could just like elevate yourself right out of the car and look down at the highways and the roads to see which one is best for you? Yes. Do you feel that? Yes. Absolutely. That's, that's strategic. Um, do you feel that you can't get going on something if leadership just can't define where it is that we're trying to go, that it's just too much, you just cannot, I mean, if you don't know where you're going, you can't get there, right? hundred percent. And also, you don't know if you're going to be successful, right? How do I know that I was successful at this if I don't know where it is I was supposed to get to? So so let me ask you a funny question. So do you ever play mazes or do you remember when you were a kid in the Highlights magazine in the dentist's office, there was the magazine that the <laughs> games in it. And there was one that was a maze that kind of looked like maybe a brain. And you said you start out here and you end in the middle, right? Yes. Where would you start? Uh, do you ever start at the end? Sometimes I work backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. Now there are people with consistency as a talent, or maybe even Amanda, dear Amanda, with her responsibility, who, who might look at that and say, "You just cheated," because <laughs> it said start here and you went there. Yeah. I do that all the time. I'm not cheating. It's the way my brain works. It's like I, the people when you're in traffic and you're you're supposed to merge and then they go in that lane when they shouldn't uh, be and they cut uh, in front of everybody. 
or 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 the one person taps the brakes because they're curious about what's going on in the other lanes and they tap their brake and it starts the accordion thing uh -huh. behind them and eventually someone comes to a complete stop it's like don't do that don't do that don't do that if you look uh, but the thing about strategic is it is strategic meaning it thinks about where it's going and charts a course to go there but it doesn't do it in a linear way it's well it's linear but it's forward and backward it's like let me check in the front and it all is done in a split second and the downside to that if you want to if we want to go there but the the rough edge of strategic is that sometimes we leave people in the dust because we've thought so quickly and discarded irrelevant solutions that we we think we've had the conversation with them because we had the thought and if we had the thought it's so clear to us why would it not be clear to them but we forgot to talk about it with them because that's what the one that's in our head not in our way of connecting with people does that make sense right. absolutely so i i guess what i got from that is it you know it, it's not beneficial for us to look at a strength in singularity as well to just zoom in on that and, and think about how that describes you but you do really have to look at the five if not ten and see totally. how They're, you lean into those yeah, at any one point in time absolutely when you go to get in your car do you just open the door i mean you do more than that <laughs> yeah you got you got i mean you do more than that you require more of you to do that it's just the same way with your talents you are constantly they are they are constantly playing together and in fact some talents this is why i love being a coach some talents work together within an individual to amplify one another they actually intensify one another and then some talents come together and they look like another talent like people sometimes think I'm analytical because of the way my brain works. It's like, oh, he can dig into stuff like, oh, wow, he got it. He got it. How did you do that? Well, that's because I have a combination of strategic with think, which thinks quickly and input, which gathers lots of information. And so I put those two things together and yeah, I can think quickly in, in, in that regard. Um, but I put me on a spreadsheet to like input and get it all excited because the numbers footed and you know in a huge complex spreadsheet that i designed and i know how it all works or to build the foundation of a house and get all excited about the materials and all those kind of, are you kidding me that's what other people are for <laughs> i'm the guy who will make sure the pictures are straight in the <laughs> no but i'll pick the paint color and the design and stuff but it's it's just it's also the second part that i'd like to say about that is it's always good when we look at something and we say, I wish we had, I had that to look at why we're wishing for that. Mm -hmm. Is that because it's coming from a, a position of, I, I sort of envy that thing because I don't feel it in me and I wish I had it. As soon as we begin doing that, cortisol starts going up and we, we don't have as much ability in our brains to rationally and sort of collectively and uh, consciously and subconsciously think about what's really going on. So it, it, it's all connected. It's all fascinating. So I'm all about suspending judgment and, in, and, and bringing forth curiosity. I think everything is interesting, can be interesting. And it's, I, I'm a big believer that we have two choices, two things within our control. One is, one is our position. I call it position and perspective. 
position is where we are. Where are we? Where are we? Who are we? Right? In the case of strengths work, it helps us know who we are. It gives us language. So we understand our position better. The second piece that's so important is our perspective. And it's, I, I, I oftentimes talk about a prism, you know, a prism that you hold up to the light. Mm -hmm. So you have a prism that you dropped on the floor and it cracked and it's kind of broken and you can't decide what to do with it. So you put it on the counter and you feel sorry for it or bad for it or wish that hadn't happened or uh, you criticize it for being broken or whatever it is. Pretend like that prism is you, right? Um, and yet you can take that prism and hold it up to the sunlight in the window and all of a sudden there's a rainbow mm -hmm. I, I you can see the rainbow in that prism that's all perspective it's it's what you choose to see right where you are and what you choose to see it's like where who are we and and what perspective do i have on myself which is why i love storytelling because i think we can s tell a more truthful honest authentic story that's full of love and self self um admiration and appreciation and appreciation for others when we know who we are I, I just think that's a fundamental truth i love that in terms of the position and perspective and so there's a couple of things you said there john that i want to kind of dig into because there was a question from one of our listeners around how does curiosity connect with empathetic empathetic leadership and relationships because they believe their superpower is curiosity and they think it's a foundational component of empathy. And this really struck me because what um, a couple of my strengths are related to like learner and intellection, which requires curiosity. Correct. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that empathy in and of its. Okay. So let's talk about empathy, empathy, yeah. empathy in my view, sort of the broad worldview of empathy is you're, you put yourself in another person's shoes, right? Yeah. And you, 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 you relate to who they are and what they're going through. But relating is can be take a couple different forms. Mm -hmm. There's intellectual understanding of what's going on with them. Like that's what I have more of because I'm curious intellectually and I'm curious about what's going on. And as soon as I start putting those pieces pieces together, I feel really good. And then, oh, by the way, that feels really good. And I feel kind of emotional too. Oh, <laughs> and, oh, oh, they're having oh, it's, it's my partner calls me. And it's so funny. So he's a get it done person. So achiever and responsibility, Amanda. So he mm -hmm. always does what he says he's going to do, but he loves to check things off the list. That's achiever loves to check stuff off the list. And I, you know, I tend to think very logically um, logic first. And then feel. I mean, I anyway. So we use the Star Trek analogy of uh, he calls me, I call him Mister Chekhov, and he calls me Mister Spock because I'm like half human, half Vulcan. I'm lo half logic, but that's the way I go about being empathic or empathetic. I should say not empathic. I will never be empathic. Um, that's not in my wiring. And so we get into strengths work. Empathy is a talent that is only about 17% of people have it in their top five. So think about that, only 17%. That means 83% of people don't. Wow, yeah. Right? That You getting the numbers there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's big. And, and people with empathy have this uniquely brilliant quality of being able to feel 
what to feel number one and feel what other people feel they don't just experience it intellectually like relate to it because i've been there and i've done that and oh yeah that reminds me of no it's that i a person with empathy actually feels other people's joy in the way the person is feeling it feels their sadness in the way they're feeling it and they need to feel what they feel too and they need to let it run its course so if they grieve they grieve deeply and they might grieve longly because they have to go through what they have to go through because they're feeling and one of the worst comments people anyone else in the world could make that 83 percent of people who don't have empathy could make to the person who the 17 percent do uh who do is move on get on with it <clears throat> right yeah. I mean, that's, isn't that like one of the most hurtful, insensitive, unacknowledging things for a person to say, to discount their emotions? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, a person with empathy is going to feel that really, really, really strongly. And they're so powerful to have in the world because they shine a light and, and relate in a way to people that the rest of us don't necessarily do. And can I, you know, I love working with teams of people with empathy because they're, they're the ones who are going to go, this isn't feeling right. Should this, I know these folks are really upset about this thing that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And the leader says, well, they just need to get over it. And then the person with empathy is going, no, <laughs> no, we need to honor this and talk about it. And then we can move on. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we need to do that. But, it, but curiosity is, I think I think of curiosity as a is a fuel almost for us as people, fundamental fuel. Yeah. And I think the more we can I think some people are, have a propensity to be curious. So people with input, people with learner, for example, um, are very much so people with analytical often do for the details. They're very curious about that. And people with strategic are curious about how to get where they're going. People, I mean, every one of the talents has some element of curiosity in it, I think, uh, or potential curiosity to it. It's just some are more sort of wired that way. But, but to answer the, that was a long winded way to answer the question. I think they play with one another. I don't think they're part of necessarily exactly the same thing. Is that helpful? Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Okay, I've tried to be logical because I'm Mr. Spock. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a great question, Shaina. We've, we've kind of talked about how this works in relationships, but you've made me wonder too, like, I don't, have you ever done this with families and oh, how yes. the different strengths show up? I'm totally. so curious. Totally. It's uh, absolutely. So let me just say the minimum sort of age uh, I would do the assessment with uh, for a person would be maybe 15 thereabouts. And the reason is that uh, you remember our brains form and all that stuff. And it's kind of baked when we're seven about how we'll be um, the as we are more socially sort of interactive and exposed to the world we develop life experience we actually bump our heads against things and then we can understand what it hurts so yes families are you kidding it's so enlightening <laughs> for parents to, to actually see their children through the lens of their talents and instead of saying i don't know why he's artistic why is he going to art school <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's never going to make a dime because the parent has responsibility and maybe achiever or you know consistency or something that's practical 
and uh, and this is feeling flowery and you know foofy and and creative and oh how do you make money being creative if that kid isn't able to access that and lean into that in some fundamental way in their upbringing and being an adult they are going to have emotional angst and that cortisol level is going to rise again and they're going to shut everything down and they're really going to struggle and a lot of people end up you know in careers in jobs to your point sort of uh, cheyenne as well it's kind of like can we learn something that'll position us better here uh maybe i mean maybe but i don't know about you but i i have become successful at a few things in my life that i didn't really enjoy doing because i could do them Mm -hmm. You know, I could put things together and make them work because I also have Maximizer, which sort of pushes me to do that. But it's not the other talent. So I work my tail off to make that happen and I get successful. And guess what? I got headhunted right and left for that that thing. And I didn't want to do it anymore. And I didn't want to be stuck. And a lot of people get stuck because they're making good money and they feel like they can't go anywhere else or, or it's too scary to go somewhere else. And so what do they do? They have a midlife crisis at 30 <laughs> or or 35 or 40 or 50 and then have an affair or they buy a new fancy car that you know drive around with the top down or something i mean which is all fine the, the affair not so much but you know the point is they got to break out of their skin yeah because it hasn't fit it no longer fits is that resonating super um in fact it's it's my husband's fiftieth uh, birthday this year. Oh yay! And he had just lost his job in December, and he, well, to be honest, he used to hate what he did for a living, but it used to pay really, really well. Yes. And now he's really struggling with deciding what he wants to do next because he's torn between, you know, he was the the breadwinner of the family, and now he no longer is, and he doesn't know. And he, he's almost afraid to step into what he enjoys and what he's good at, just in case it's something that isn't money making. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So I would, um, sweetheart, if you're listening to this, I would like to gift you for your 50th birthday and as our 10th year wedding anniversary present, uh, two hours with John. Oh, man. Both, but, both of I, us going through our oh strengths. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. So what we would do. I love so I want, want people to understand this is what we do. This is the, this is it. This is the it of it. Because it gives you, you will fall in love with your husband. He will fall in love with you even more. Because all of the things that he admires about you and some of the ones that drive him crazy yeah. about you. <laughs> are really gifts and when they can understand why it, where it's coming from it's every talent comes from a good place every talent we just layer on all kinds of garbage on top of it in terms of coping skills and reacting to trauma and you know judgment and shame and all that other external stuff that that influences us but doesn't change the way we the, the how we are really um because we can change our perspective on that and lean into the position of who we really are. Um, and so absolutely. Oh my gosh. I work with, I've worked with a, a little bit of everybody, frankly. Um, families are awesome because then the kids get a sense of their parents too. 
And if yeah. a parent has responsibility, I mean, a great example, I worked with a, a family, um, mother and son, 15 year old genius, like built rockets and in his basement and, but could never remember to take his book bag to school or misplace his lunch money or, I mean, it's just like the absent-minded professor, but he seemed to get along with his chemistry mates, but he got a warning from his chemistry teacher to his mother that he was being disruptive. And, and so we did the assessment for him. Turns out, yeah, he's got a bunch of these reflect thinking talents. You bet. He's a genius. And guess what one of his talents was, is developer. Developer. He loves to develop people. He has a, a unique ability yeah. to see potential in people. And that was the disruption that he was doing in his chemistry class because he was bored. He'd already finished all his chemistry work. So he's going to help the other kids. And they were having yeah. so much fun doing it. They were laughing, which was deemed disruptive. Not disruptive. Wow. And when, when she took his results to the chemistry teacher, she had the biggest aha moment, like one of the biggest in her careers. She said, I can't, I would not have known, realized that or thought about it that way. And this kid was being tamped down. And so, of course, he was acting out with his mother. So guess what she did? Because she has responsibility and accountability is a big thing. So she had him uh, sign up for Big Brothers to be a oh. big brother to somebody. And that was the carrot to get him to do five things, just five things that she really wanted him to do, like take the dog out like <laughs> i mean seriously hold on to your book bag watch your money and you know eat your peas you know it was it was like these five things that were manageable but she wouldn't have she was judging herself and judging him he was being feeling judged and downtrodden he was 15 years old what life could this kid have if he access to who he was right wow and what life wouldn't he have if that hadn't been recognized or identified and then leaned into, you know, that's the power of this stuff. When I think about parents and their, their kids um, and that's the, it's, it helps with siblings. It's just hysterical because you all, we each, I mean, I have three sisters. You don't think I have stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. I can't even, I, I don't get me started because we never get off. Well, I love what you're saying, too, because when you start off to talking about how who we are is the same, whether we're at work or at home, it's just how that shows up. Um, and so, how we let it show up. Yeah. And so I'd love for you to, um, as we kind of wrap this episode up, I'd love for you to share with everybody about what you do and how you help people using core clarity and Clifton yeah. strengths. Well, obviously. And, and, yeah. Yeah, obviously you take the assessment, so you get your data. And I encourage people to take the full, purchase of the full 34 so they can understand. Remember your right hand, your left hand. If you only get your information on your right hand, which is the top five, which is $20, that's okay. That's good. Well, what about my left hand? So if you get all 34, you get your right and your left hand and then everything in the middle, which may be useful to you, but probably going to take as much work to work on as it would to just lean into your, you know, your top 10 and then your bottom talents, which are the ones you've probably criticized yourself about, right? I mean, you've probably judged yourself. If you don't feel like you're organized because you don't have a talent discipline, 
for example, then you've probably criticized yourself for that. So anyway, you take the assessment, then we set up conversations um, to, uh, usually I do about a two, a couple, three, two hour sessions because we've got to understand this stuff first, but then we talk about it through the lens of you and whatever's coming up for you. It could be, I, I kind of, I call it sort of a nickname. I call it crossroads coaching. It's kind of like you're standing at a crossroads and you'd really like to have a compass a really good compass and a really good telescope to kind of see stuff. But there's all this stuff in front of you you could look at. What do you want to look at first? Your compass of your talents can help you kind of guide you to the areas that are most uh, likely for you to have a sense of joy about and time disappearing and making fewer mistakes and doing it really, really well. Um, so why not choose things that align there? So for your husband, um, Cheyenne, it's like, this is the perfect time to do that because she, it's like, you're standing on a cliff and there's all this stuff in front of you. And before you jump, you want to know, you know, where do you want to direction yourself? That's going to fit you the best, right? And strengths work can help you do that. It's the lens through which you can look at everything in your life. And because it's you. And it's nobody else. I mean, you may share similar talents. But I have a number for you. If you took all 34 talents and arranged them in every possible way, that number, that's called a permutation. Just the top five. You just did the top five in every combination. That'd be 33 million possibilities. You think you're going to meet a person in the U.S. if you're one in 33 million. Do you think you're going to meet somebody with just your top five exactly the same? Probably not because they're probably crawling or in a wheelchair and then everything in between <laughs> living in other parts of the country, probably not. Wow. And then if you took all 34 talents and you jumble all those together, that is a permutation that will blow your mind. It is 295 undecillion. Mm -hmm. Undecillion. This number has 12 commas in it and 39 digits. Wow. That's how unique each of us is. Do you mm -hmm. think you're going to meet another person like you in the world? Probably not. And then you layer on life experience on top of that. No way. No way. So we got to have a way to make sense of this madness because if we're out in the world, can we know all that stuff? Well, we don't have to. We can know what's what works best for us and see that in other people based on their unique combination and not fret about the things we don't have, but work on the things that we do and lean into those because, again, we have so much more joy. So I do that in one-on-one um, -on -one counseling sessions with couples, with families. I do it as well with uh, corporate and nonprofit teams. Um, it helps the leader understand their employees. The employees understand the leader. The employees understand each other. Things operate more smoothly. And careers are made as a result of this. Like good careers are really helped um, along through this because then the leader knows how to develop the person right i mean because they understand because the person understands what they would like to develop and the leader understand aligns the development to that i mean how cool is that isn't that what we want so that's what i so do. cool yeah leaders parent i mean for speaking from experience, I'm so grateful that you introduced uh, me and our team to that because it's helped me become more comfortable in, in my own skin, but also how we operated when we were a team. And I'm really looking forward to doing this with my new team. That's awesome. That's yeah. 
just awesome. I'm so excited for you and excited for everybody who comes in contact with you all. Yeah. Um, and Jan, I'm so excited for you and your husband yeah. to yes. do this too. Uh, exactly. I, I uh, when when we just when I decided that we should take this um, the second time, I asked him to take it with me. So he also has his results from the oh, second God. time around doing it. The only problem is he doesn't. I think the first time he took it was maybe more than ten years ago. So he doesn't, doesn't have those results. Yeah, but we can get those. Uh, there's a just for everyone to know who's listening as well. Gallup does have a phone number to call and retrieve your oh. results. Maybe I'll give that to you all. You can post it, but yes. Yeah, they have, and they have the best customer service ever, ever, ever. They're so helpful. They just want to help you find your, your talents. And so they'll search by your name. You have to consider your maiden name if it was before you got married or all that stuff. But once you have that, they'll find them for you. So um, you don't have to necessarily do it again and i don't encourage you to because the first set are 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 non-biased meaning you did it you didn't know how the you did not know how the assessment worked your brain hadn't done its little crazy pattern recognition thing mm -hmm. that it doesn't forget and when you take it the second time you're pairing things because oh that's familiar oh i like and then sometimes it's i like that one better I'd like to think of myself that way. Yeah. And we sometimes can then inject a little bias into the assessment itself. Um, that's why there's a 20 second timer and why the first time you do it, you better make a decision because it's going to move on. And oh, by the way, when it does, because there are so many other questions that are being asked, some of which half of the pairing you've already been asked it's pairing it with all these other things. It will predict what your response would have been. Oh, that's how statistically valid. I'm telling you, it is wildly accurate. I love being the problem solver. It's not problems we're solving. I love being. Yeah. The, it's like the puzzle maximizer. Uh, Max, thank you. I guess I could use the <laughs> word. That, hello, duh. You gave us that language, and we're gonna we'll use it. I know. Thank you. I'm turning red because I. <laughs> My number eight. You gave me a compliment. Let's turn the light back on. <laughs> this has been so great. Um, so, John, um, thanks for sharing with us about Clifton Strengths and the work that you do with through Core Clarity. We'll put all the information of where listeners can learn more about you and connect with you on our blog. And next week, we're going to have you back, John, because we just have so much more we want to talk to you about, um, and specifically um, about what the sign you have behind your head, which says that you can't be authentic if you don't know who you are. So we're going to zoom in more about you, some of your learnings and what you're working on today. Um, so super excited to talk about that next week. I look forward to it because that sign says you can't be authentic if you don't know who you are, which is like the biggest duh statement ever but how many of us really consider that really consider that what does it mean mm -hmm. to be authentic and that's i'd love a chance to talk about that oh boy how fun can't, can't wait, wait. <laughs> jinx <laughs> thank you for listening to ew also known as empaths at work we want you to engage in the conversation. Leave us a voice message by clicking on the link in the episode description. Now for the fine print. The opinions expressed in these podcasts are our personal opinions and don't necessarily reflect the views of any companies we are associated with as working women. That's all.